What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Ari Marie, and you are now listening to Elephants in the Room podcast. And before I get started, I just personally want to thank everybody for the love and the support that I've received so far um, after releasing my first episode. Y'all are really, really showing out, and I appreciate every like, comment, share, repost, every listen. Um, I genuinely appreciate it and thank you so much because y'all are motivating me to keep going Um, because this is a new experience for me so I'm still nervous about releasing certain content but um gotta do what I gotta do Uh, so with that being said we are going to get into today's topic which is trauma um and originally I was gonna wait to release this episode a little later down um, online, but I feel like, uh, I am, I need to address my own trauma. So part of the reason why, um, I decided to do this episode is because I'm holding myself accountable. So first of all, um, when we talk about trauma, what is trauma? Um, by definition, trauma is the experience of severe psychological distress following any terrible or life-threatening event. Um, The three different types of traumas that I read about were acute, chronic, and complex trauma. Acute trauma results from a single accident. Chronic trauma um, results from repeated and prolonged, such as domestic violence or abuse. And complex trauma is exposure to varied and multiple traumatic events. Um, There are emotional and physical symptoms of trauma, and um, there's more emotional than physical. And those emotional symptoms can be shock, denial, disbelief, confusion, difficulty concentrating, anger, irritability, mood swings, anxiety, fear, guilt, shame, self-blame, withdrawing from others, feeling disconnected or numb. And um, some physical symptoms can be insomnia, nightmares, fatigue, aches and pains, and muscle tension. And some long-term effects of trauma can be PTSD, anxiety, depression, alcohol and substance use, and more. Um, So with that being said, I am going to take you guys... um, down 2017 with me and you guys are going to hear my personal experience with trauma so um 2017 for me was a life-changing year to say the least um I experienced some things that I never in my life could have imagined that I would experience Um, So, in episode one, I mentioned that I lost my brother in March of 2017. So, that's where we are going to start. Um, March 2017, I was at Hooters on a date, and I'm scrolling on Facebook, and I see all these posts that say, rest in peace, Justin Barnes. And I'm like thinking like it's some type of game or some shit because I'm like what the fuck like that's my brother so I go on his page and I'm seeing like all of these comments 
and all of this stuff that people are saying about my brother, good things, of course. And I'm sitting there, like, dumbfounded, confused. And my date's like, what's wrong? I'm like, uh, apparently my brother's dead. He's like, what? So we leave. He takes me home. I go home. I smoke my weed. I cry. I go to sleep. Um, I wake up to a phone call from my mom and my brother the next day. Um, and like I said, Trevon was close with Justin. They actually hung out, you know, all the time. I never really got the opportunity to just because of time and different places. So he was very upset about that. Um, so he called, uh, him and my mom called me. My brother was upset. He was on the phone crying. But the thing about this was, is at that time, I believe me and Trevon weren't really on speaking terms. We weren't, um, in the best place in our relationship. Um, so one, I'm pissed off because I found out that my brother's dead on Facebook. Uh, his mother or their side of the family did not reach out to us. So that was number one. I was definitely pissed off about that. Um, and just, it was just so unexpected. And then as I started finding out details about my brother's death, um, the only detail that I'm comfortable talking about right now and willing to share is that um, my brother's body was set on fire. So at 22, I lose a sibling unexpectedly. And the way I lose my sibling is even more unexpected. So I'm pissed. Because I have all types of questions. I'm pissed because, um, like I said, I thought that I would have all the time in the world to see my brother. Um, and now all of that has been taken away from me. On top of not having the best relationship with my brother, who at one point where we were best friends. Um, so that happened. Um, his funeral was April. And um, in that moment, after losing Justin, I told myself that I need to do better with, you know, reconciling my relationship with Trevon and making sure I have a relationship with Kevin, my oldest brother, and just doing better of checking up on my relatives, um, especially on my father's side. Now, for those of you who don't know me, uh, just a side note, if I say father, I am referring to my biological father. Um, if I say dad, I am referring to my dad who raised me. Um, I have a great relationship with, obviously, the person who raised me. And um, my father, we do not have the best relationship. So father, real father, dad, person who took care of me. So, um, back to the topic at hand. Um, Justin's death was the starting point of my trauma for so many reasons. Um, the fact that his body was set on fire is a visual image that I never in a million years expect to happen to a person I loved, um, especially a brother. And having to go to the county to tell my oldest brother that our brother died was traumatizing, to say the least. Um, I'll never forget sitting in the waiting area, trying to keep myself together before being called to see Kevin. Um, I'll never forget the look on my brother's face when I shared the news with him. 
the pain in his eyes or my heart sinking because it's a glass in between us both. And I can't even hug my brother in that moment. So fast forward to a week later, um, I go to Justin's funeral. And to be honest, I was there physically, but mentally not so much. A few days after the funeral, I meet up with Trevon and try to reconcile our relationship. And that conversation didn't turn out well. So I put my energy into strengthening my relationship with Kevin. So I'm going to visit Kevin about every other week and focusing on getting my shit together to get back in school. Eventually, I enroll in classes at Robert Morris. You know, I'm getting back on track. And about two weeks before my quarter ends, I receive a phone call from my sister-in-law with devastating news. At about 2 a.m., I pick up my phone. And it is my sister, Ebony, with panic in her voice. And she tells me that she heard that Dexter stabbed Mr. and Mrs. Irvin. So I got up, I put my clothes on, knocked on my daddy's door, um, and asked him for the car key. And him being him, he asked what happened. And, you know, he wouldn't let me go by myself, so he took me to the Irvin. When I arrived, I pulled up to a crime scene. Red tape, police officers, and people who lived on the block, and my people. My people meaning my uncle, sis, and other relatives. Um, Shortly after arriving, Ebony confirmed that the Irvins were indeed stabbed to death by Dexter. The... The Irvins The Irvins being my grandparents and Dexter their son, my uncle. Uh, I remember walking in the back with Ebony. Crying. And crying. And just repeating to myself, like, this isn't right. And the crazy part about me finding out that my grandparents were dead and my uncle was the reason um, why uh, was just overly uh, crazy because I was actually with all of them earlier that day. Earlier that day, I went to check on my grandma because she had just been released from the hospital for a slip and fall. So I'm outside talking and catching up with my aunt, and then I go have a conversation with my grandma and granddaddy. Um, I remember getting on my granddaddy's case about getting help taking care of my grandma because she had dementia, and he was doing everything by himself. 
Uh, of course, his stubborn ass wasn't trying to hear anything that I was saying. Um, and we just talked some more, and I hugged and kissed the both of them, and I went on about my day, not knowing that that was the last time that I see both of them. Now, I know by now everybody has, you know, a lot of questions and thoughts on the situation. But let me just say this. Um, I will always be mad and upset at the situation, but I pretty much instantly forgave my uncle, and here's why. Dexter might be a lot of things, but I know for a fact that he adored his parents. I remember when I first found out about my grandma having dementia, I was away at school, and I went home that weekend to go see her, and Dexter was there when I got to the hospital. I remember being super nervous because I was so scared that she wouldn't remember who I was. And in fact, when I got there, she had no idea who I was. And when I tell y'all I broke down, I broke down in that hospital. And Dexter was right there. He was consoling me, wiping my tears away, and just getting me back together. Dexter was also the one who told me um, when she slipped and hurt her knee. Um, and he told me that she was in the hospital. So he's the reason why I went to go see her because um, he wasn't playing. He was not for none. He like, niece, we going to see mama. And he got in the passenger seat and looked at me until I pulled off. And I'm super grateful that he made me go see her because he knew I didn't want to. He knew how hard it was for me to be around her because, again, he seen firsthand how I reacted and responded to the situation. Um, that was a hard pill for me to swallow, which is another reason why I didn't come around often because I just couldn't handle that. So with that being said, I know in my heart that he didn't mean it and I forgive him and I still love him because if you know, you just know. All right. So now we're going back to the day everything happened and I'm at the crime scene. People are still doing what they have to do. And we just outside in front of the house. I'm smoking. You know, I'm just still trying to process everything. So with it being a double homicide and, you know, with it happening the way it happened, of course, you know, the news, the media, they're going to cover the story. So a news reporter starts showing up like back to back to back. And they're trying to get statements comments ask questions about everything and <laughs> if y'all know me y'all know I wasn't having that shit so I'm going up to the news reporters asking them to leave you know know the family were grieving we don't want to talk period um media don't get no fuck and so they're still trying to you know get a different angle and Go ask this person this. So literally, I'm following every one of them that I asked to leave. And that didn't listen. I'm following. I'm going up to all of them. And my mama come chasing up after me like, Ari, calm down, calm down. Because I was legit on my Kanye shit. Because I'm like, y'all not respecting my wishes. Like, yeah, I understand that this is a story and you guys have a job to do. But this is my fucking family. Like, my grandmother and my grandfather are still in this building, laying here, dead. This shit's still being investigated. And y'all walking around this motherfucker looking for a statement, and y'all want to ask questions, and y'all trying to pressure people to talk about this? 
Are you fucking stupid? Like, if this was your family, would you want cameras and microphones and to be fucking bombarded with questions? No. Um, I will say, though, there was one lady who respected my wishes, and she was a black woman, I think from Channel 2. And she came up and she approached, and I'm just like, you know what? The family, we're not speaking. We don't have anything to say. We just want to grieve in peace. And she said, I respect that, and she walked off. The only one, all them other reporters did not give a fuck. And I ain't give a fuck either. And I was walking up to them going off because I never cared. Because it's just like people are so insensitive to other people's, you know, grief and tragedy. It's just like, are you serious? So um, I'm out there pretty much the whole day and everything. And um, in that moment... Um, I had the opportunity to move. So I text my grandparents. I mean, not my grandparents. I text my godparents, like, I'm going to move with y'all to Georgia. Um, Because after experiencing uh, losing the both of them, three months after losing Justin, heartbroken heartbreak, heartbroken, whatever you want to call it, that was an understatement. In that moment, I was fucked up. So I was just like, I need to get the fuck up out of here. Like, I don't want to be nowhere near Chicago. I got to motherfucking go. So um, my goddad was definitely with it. Um, A couple weeks later, we had the funeral. Um, That... traumatizing to say the least very upsetting um I don't know if anybody can relate I hope not but um going to one funeral is hard enough but a double funeral for two people that's some heavy shit some shit I could never put into words but Heavy, to say the least. Um, still unbelievable, honestly. Um, so, uh, after the funeral, it's getting down to it's countdown to I'm moving. And every day before I moved, I cried because by this time, my brother's out. And so, I'm torn because... I'm like, damn, I don't want to leave my brother, but I also don't want to be in Chicago anymore after all of this. Like, I need a break. I need to get away because when I lost my grandparents, like I said, I was still in school. I had two more weeks before my quarter finished. I did not finish. Um, So many people were trying to encourage me to stay in school, but I'm just like, man, like, y'all don't even know where my head is. I can't even begin to think about school when I just lost my brother and then I just lost both of my grandparents. Like, fuck school. That's the least of my worries. So, um, like I said, I was going back and forth whether or not I should move. I cried every day because I just felt so much pressure. Like, I felt bad for wanting to move and leave my brother, Kevin. Um, But at the same time, I'm like, I got to do what I got to do for me. Um, How did I deal with the death? I smoked a lot. I drank a lot. I'm talking about I was grabbing fifths 
of Remy like every day because I didn't want to feel anything. Obviously, you know, I was hurt. I was upset. So I was just smoking a lot. I was drinking a lot. I was just sad. I was depressed. I just was confused. I did not understand why all of this shit was happening to me back to back to back. I was just like, okay, God, I know you only give your battles to the strong, but I ain't asked to be strong. I didn't ask for this. Like, I was just so angry and I was so fucking upset. So come August, I moved down south to Atlanta with my godparents to get a fresh start. Um, And I'm super grateful for that because I knew that I was not going to be able to heal in Chicago around everything. Uh, So I went away. I lived in Atlanta. I moved and I started to, you know, get back on track. Now, obviously, it wasn't a right away type thing, um, but I just had to cry it out. I had to pray, and I had to really just talk to God and deal with my emotions one day at a time. But the effects of me losing my brother and my grandparents back to back on top of just dealing with life shit, um, I started to develop anxiety. Uh, The first time ever, um, I had my first anxiety attack when I lived in Atlanta. Now, the only people, I know a few people in Atlanta, but I I don't have any family. Like, so I just live with my my godparents. So I'm 22 trying to, you know, find my purpose. I'm trying to heal. I'm trying to get my shit together. And um, I'm just experiencing all these different emotions and all different type of shit happening to me where now I develop anxiety and I'm having anxiety attacks out of nowhere and I'm not knowing what the fuck is wrong with me. I'm not myself. I don't want to be around large crowds. I'm paranoid all the time. I'm going out and I'm in places where normally I'm comfortable, but I'm very uncomfortable. And it was just a lot to experience. But um, to to say how I dealt with it, um, I started channeling my energy into things that I used to do, enjoy doing as a child. Um, So I started back reading and I started back writing and, you know, just listening to music and just, you know, feeding my mind and my body with positivity. So I'm working out, you know, every day I'm journaling. I'm back to who I used to be to learn how to deal with what I was going through and let out my emotions, because like I said before, you know, we're we're so used to being strong and not crying and not opening up that when that shit finally hits you, it hits you. And I got tired of everything hitting me at once because holding all that stress and pain and anger and frustration, that will make you sick and have you in a hospital. And I just didn't want to be like that. Um, So my coping mechanism at first 
uh, was drugs and alcohol. Well, not drugs, because I ain't the only drug I do, I smoke is weed. <laughs> so I want to clarify that <laughs> for my listeners. I definitely want to touch on the alcohol and the um, drug use, though, when grieving and, you know, going through trauma. I know a lot of us, we tend to turn to weed and we tend to turn to alcohol when we're going through it. Um, Luckily, the type of people that I had in my life, um, they were on my ass about the increase of my weed smoking and me drinking when I first lost uh, my grandparents. Uh, But I really want to say that if you have a friend or a family member or if you are, you know, going through something and you want to numb yourself by getting high out your mind or being drunk, remember that when you sober up, all that pain and all those emotions you feel will still be there. Um, I definitely had to learn that for myself, and I knew that. But it still didn't stop me from smoking hella and drinking a lot. Uh, I really had to have a conversation with myself and tell myself, like, you're not going to get to where you want by smoking every day, smoking all day and drinking, you know, you're not going to get far. You cannot be down too long. Uh, So I just want us to do a better job of holding ourselves accountable and holding our friends accountable when we go through things um, to not be so reliant on drugs and alcohol. Um, We got to find different outlets to channel our anger and things. Um, Like I said, one of the things that I did when I um, started my healing process was I was writing. I was journaling every day. Um, I'm a poet, which a lot of people don't know because I don't share my poetry. Um, But one of the things that I tried to do would help dealing with my uh, trauma with my grandparents' death was write a poem about it. And uh, I started writing, but I didn't finish because I did not want to relive those events of the night that it happened. Um, Actually, like this is again, this is the first time that I'm really talking about the things that I experienced and what I went through and how I felt uh, publicly out loud or really just letting people know my real feelings. But I just want to share this little um, piece with y'all that I started that um, I wrote about the night that everything happened. So give me one second so I can find it. Um, All right. Around 2 a.m., my phone rings. That phone call, I'll never forget it. A vivid memory that will always stay with me. Fast forward 30 minutes. I now have arrived to the crime scene. Red tape, tears, cries, and screams. Pause. I stood still. Ebony right next to me. Hoping and wishing all of this was a bad dream. Press play. And I stopped right there because that would have involved me replaying the events of the night. And I 
blocked a lot of that out so I wouldn't have to deal with it. Uh, another <laughs> coping mechanism. So I am getting ready to wrap it up, but before I go, um, I just want to say that I hope that me sharing my experience with trauma and how I dealt with it, that people learn what to do and what not to do um, when dealing with trauma. And just to know that it may hurt now and you may feel very upset and you might feel like your world is ending and you can't get over it. But speaking from experience, um, you definitely can move on from trauma. I am not where I want to be, but I'm also not where I was. And I'm super grateful for that um, with a great support system um, and me just finding different ways to channel my energy. Um, I am on the right path of healing, um, but with healing, it's not a straight process. You know, there are some really, really good days and good times. And then there are some bad days and some bad times where I'm still upset, you know, and I might watch something on TV or something happens and I get triggered all over again. Um, but that's all a part of the process. So I just want to encourage everybody um, to break the cycles with, you know, not talking about our trauma and not going to therapy or whatever it is that you feel is necessary for you, um, I would just encourage you guys to try new ways of healing and dealing with your trauma other than the norm of holding everything in and wanting to rely on drugs and alcohol. Um, and one thing that helped me get through and still get through stuff is music. And today's quote is a lyric from J. Cole, uh, J. Cole <laughs> off his album K.O.D. Um, and it's relatable to trauma and just how we deal with things. Um, and I think it's very uh, pertinent to what we were talking about. Um, and his music in this album uh was part of the encouragement for me to do things a different way and to want to heal in a healthy way um here it is there's also a trauma from drama that children see type of shit that normally would call for therapy but you know just how it go in our community we keep that shit inside it don't matter how hard it be fast forward them kids is grown enabling trees and popping pills due to chronic anxiety um Again, super relatable. Uh, we turn to everything <laughs> but therapy or meditation or reading or other positive vices to deal with trauma. Um, so catch me next week for another episode of Elephants in the Room podcast. It's your girl, Ari Marie, and I am out.